0: Welcome to this, the second episode of The Stack Podcast. I'm recording this on Saturday, the 3rd of September in a hotel room in Hamburg. And I'm in Hamburg because I've spent the last couple of days at the Indicon Independent Magazine Conference. When I was packing my bags to come over here, I sort of almost as an afterthought decided to put my microphone in my bag. And I've grabbed a few magazine makers over the last couple of days to talk to them about the various things that they're doing. ...but I wasn't really sure I'd actually use any of the audio... um, ...until this afternoon when two things changed my mind. First of all, I've really enjoyed the experience... ...of going and sitting down with magazine makers... ...and speaking to them and recording the stuff that they say. Um, And I hope these short interviews are going to give a sense... ...of what went on here. But second, this afternoon I saw Nelson from Lost magazine... ...give a totally fascinating talk... On the emergence of independent magazine publishing in China and yesterday afternoon he and I recorded an interview down by the lake which is just near the conference venue and in it he touches on some of the incredibly exciting changes that are happening right now and it made me really want to share his thoughts more widely so I hope this is going to be a good way to do that. Um, So Here's the audio uh, from that conversation. It's pretty short. It's only about 20 minutes. But in it, Nelson talks about the way mobile phones are revolutionizing print publishing in China. Um, He talks a bit about uh, his own move away from advertising to work full-time in publishing and some of the projects he's working on at the moment. I really hope you enjoy it. And if this one goes down well, I'll edit together some more of the conversations I had at Indicon, um and release them over the coming weeks. Um, but for now, this is uh, Nelson, and I hope you can overlook the funny sounds of rowers and cyclists coming from the lake. All right, so I'm here uh, on the banks of the uh, of Lake Alster in Hamburg with Nelson. We've um, we've just come wandering down from IndieCon to find a quiet, romantic spot for a, a little chat. Um, because Nelson, I, um, I'm I'm very interested to hear mm. what you've been doing yeah. with Lost Magazine. Mm. Um, you have issue three out at the yep. moment, um, and you said that you should be working on issue four.
1: <laughs> yes. I should be issue, working on issue four. Um, I mean, it is it is going on uh, at like uh, because translations usually take place way earlier than everything else, so that's kind of going on. But it's it's moving a little s- slower than yeah than I expect because I have a lot of other projects going on.
0: But this is now your full-time job. you're your are yes, that's all you're doing yeah, now. Yeah, publishing
1: is my full-time job now. Uh, that's all I'm doing and. But yeah, so like other than Lost, like I, I'm, I'm actually really working on many other projects. That's um, really
0: fantastic. Cause it, <laughs> so you were working in advertising before.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the amazing thing is all that came from doing Lost, doing something that done, didn't make money. And, and, and just people saw it, they got excited. Uh, they, people started contacting me to, to collaborate on different projects.
0: So tell me a little bit about issue three of lost and the for people who haven't seen it what the magazine's all about and and what you're really pleased with in there.
1: uh issue three for lost uh I think that's kind of like the first issue that uh I did after i left after i went full time into it so uh you could say I, I had more time with it and made some more like tougher decisions like I, I'm, I'm gonna try to keep it consistent to 10 stories per issue now keep the page count lower you know uh, um, you know just for many many reasons um, you know like I, I took time to choose a different paper I don't know if people notice like the, pa- the cover paper is actually different from the first two issues too so stuff like that just just making streaming streamlining things uh, uh and and I mean just like before it's, it's always a collection of, of different stories from different people um, and where do those yeah. people
0: come from because they mm-hmm. this all started out with you Pe- yeah traveling and and then talking to friends and getting contributions yeah, yeah. that way
1: it started off like just people I knew like friends and now it's become like people Almost like 90% of the people I don't know. I've never met before in real life, but they've all become friends through submitting. So, a lot of people. <laughs> we,
0: we, have, we have some rowers just going past yeah, us. A competition going on here. <laughs>
1: um, and yeah, so a lot of people actually contribute, uh, submit stories through email. Actually, all, 90% of them um, from all, all over the world and in different languages, uh, mostly in English or Chinese. Um, and, and
0: these are people who've just seen the magazine in a bookshop near them, yeah. and, and got inspired and wanted to join you. Exactly, um, and I'm I'm kind of
1: I'm still amazed because I've I've never really like gone pu- like publicly like to to look for contributions like Hey, we're coming up the next issue, please contribute your stories." Like people just email me like I don't know from where, so I, I'm always very amazed how they they find the email address on the website, which is like such a small <laughs> print. <laughs> So it's it's very touching actually to, to know um, all these people who, who submit stories.
0: And they will typically then just say to you, um, <clears throat> I've I've just been to wherever and yeah. I think that you'd be interested in this because
1: Yeah, yeah. Some of them uh they might send a synopsis first, a short one and then uh and then uh kind of discuss and like they if it, if it feels right for the magazine like I'll you know say go ahead. Um, some of them just send the story immediately so it, it, sometimes it's much faster because I can read it and just know whether it fits or not um, but yeah it's actually pretty easy to submit stories
0: and what, what's the thing that makes you think a story fits or doesn't fit?
1: Uh, well as I've always mentioned um, the, what makes it fit or not is whether it's a personal story where it's not so much about the place but uh, sort of like their personal experience like I think if the stories come off a bit like normal like oh like you, you they went to uh, I don't know the Great Wall of China and they saw this and that like it's, there's, there's no like they don't put themselves into the story then I think it, it, it kind of falls flat and, and usually I tell them to to rewrite it or relook at it again yeah, yeah. Um, but th- the, mm.
0: your, your first uh, story in the most recent issue is that the one with the American who goes to yeah, Japan and, yeah. for, and the the thing I think like is so amazing about that is the way that you see him literally questioning his own mm-hmm. assumptions and prejudices yeah. as he's wa- you know he's in this foreign city where he literally does not know where he is Yes, yes. and someone comes and helps him and leads him down these dark streets and he's yeah. thinking am I going to get killed down yeah. the street is it and I think that reveals so much about the person and about, about yeah. us as as people.
1: Yeah, what's what's actually really interesting that I found out from a lot of the travel stories is that a lot of it isn't really about the travel itself, but about themselves. And through through the journey, they they discover certain you know traits they have or things they, they think about. And I think that's that's what makes it interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And um, so so these days, um, mm. Lost is just one part of your publishing empire?
1: <laughs> uh, you could say that, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, like, uh, I mean, because Lost used to be once a year. Uh, and now that I've left, um, because uh, actually the reason why I've switched it to two times a year now is because there's too many submissions. And if, if I don't uh, make it faster, like, some of them have to wait, like, seven years no like three years to see their story print so as, as a, sort of as a favour to, to the, the contributors like I try to speed it up as well um, but 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 yeah Lost Alone is, is not enough so I, I'm actually uh, working on other projects now as well and um, so the
0: first one of those that you mm, can talk about because yeah. there are secret projects that <laughs> you can't talk about uh, but the first one you can talk yeah. about is it's, called Brownie yeah
1: Brownie Yeah, uh, that's actually been going on since january actually it's going been going for the last eight months um, and that's been a really like uh, like i've been really happy about the project because uh, i met the the people behind the brand and, and they're really young they're, they're really young they're younger than me and and they just want to they're just they're a startup um, and they saw lost and they're, they're really happy and they even have a they actually have a space too they actually sell lost in their space um, and then uh, they just wanted to collaborate with me to create a, a photography magazine so, uh, so, so like, I, I meet them once a week, basically, uh, you know, for a meeting, and then uh, I'm, I'm sort of my role as a, the editor-in-chief and, and also the designer, uh, and it's not that different from Lost, like, I pretty much, like, um, uh, come up with everything, the direction for the magazine, and find uh, the, the writers or the photographers to, to write, uh, although it's, it's way harder than Lost, I would say, because uh, Lost doesn't have a, a theme for each issue, but Brownie actually has a theme for each issue, so we have to actually find stories around that theme. So right, that makes it a lot harder. Yeah. So,
0: how many issues in are you on Brownie? How many issue? How many How many issues have you made? One, one, one. Okay, so we've um, one. <laughs> so, what's the theme of the first one?
1: Uh, it's called Human Connections. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess for the first issue, we, we kind of like uh we sort of looked at uh human relationships uh through photography, um and and it, like. Again, it has ten stories, but it's not—they're not really stories. Like, uh, like five of them are maybe like uh, essays where people write about uh, their point of view, uh, and then the other five are like interviews with photographers whose work uh, tells a little about human connections. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've sort of we broke the magazine down into three sections. Uh, the first section is like uh, is about stories of loneliness. Uh, we call it disconnections. Uh, and then we, we have these photographers who who photograph loneliness and how it's beautiful and like and so we talk to them like oh it can can loneliness be beautiful like how how does that work and and stuff um, and then like the second section we have a section called reconnections where we we look at how people reconnect with the world through photography uh, whether it's through through family or, or through relationships with people. Um, and then the last section uh, is uh, new connections, where we, we talk about uh, new relationships that form because of social media and, and today's technology. So like there's this one article about Instagram and how uh, mothers uh, in, in Asia, at least, mothers are like taking Instagram photos of their daughters, and and all that is done without without saying a single word. Like it's a ritual almost, and it's kind of just like this weird mother-daughter relationship through social media now. So, yeah, so it's, it's all that. So, like, it's it's a photography magazine, but not every story is necessary about a photographer, but maybe just some take or some insight about photography.
0: Um, and whereabouts, yeah. whereabouts is it distributed?
1: Uh, we're in the process of distributing. I mean, of course, we're starting from China right now, and then slowly we're trying to... Context stores in Europe, but it's, it's a really slow process right now, so... Um.
0: But this is going to be a mag that's out worldwide? Yeah,
1: because, yeah, it is. It, I mean, it's bilingual, uh, and that's one of the things that I've always been trying to do, making bilingual magazines. Um, uh-huh.
0: yeah. And so, I guess a big part of the reason why they came to you is because mm. you make a bilingual magazine the, the, yeah. with Mandarin... Is it Mandarin? Yeah, yeah. Man, Mandarin English. So the, yeah. Because that's one of the things that I've always loved about Lost, is yeah. the, the way you handle those languages... And when you spoke at QVED earlier this year, mm. I was very taken by your metaphor of when you talked about them Music. as musical instruments. Yeah. Give, us, give us it again for, oh. <laughs> for the benefit of the listeners. Okay.
1: Uh, yeah, as I've always mentioned in QVED and other talks, like how uh, uh, designing bilingually, like, um, I mean, it's kind of a process that I learned on my own, like how not to uh, give the same weight to both languages because it just comes out very clumsy. So when I mean, you think about it in terms of, of a band where someone's playing the guitar and someone's playing the pe- the keyboard, and like, like you don't want both of them to play at the same time. You want them to complement each other. So uh, one maybe sometimes one instrument takes a spotlight. Sometimes they, they harmonize together and, and stuff like that and they do stuff and have fun, but but they don't get in each other's way. So I think when, when we design bilingual stuff, we think of it that way that really helps yeah. um, and not try to like make... The both language the same size, and
0: it yeah. makes it makes such perfect sense. But the like there mm-hmm. are so many bilingual magazines. Yeah, they that do that. Absolutely, right? do not yeah. do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: no. But it's, it's it's tough because I'm sure when they do bilingual, they they want to be fair to both languages. Like, why should I give preference to one or the other? But but I think from the readers' perspective, if you do that, it's just it got, it just becomes very clumsy. So yeah, it's sometimes e- better to just give them different weights. Yeah. We
0: now have a helicopter coming very low overhead. <laughs> Who knew that sitting by the lake was so noisy? <laughs> um, um, and so yeah. you, you're, you're here. Um, mm. so, so at the moment, we, we're having the uh, IndyCon uh, conference. Yeah. And on Sunday, we have indie mag Day, which mm-hmm. is where we get to show some magazines yeah. to people. And you're here, apparently, yeah. with a very heavy suitcase full I, of I magazines.
1: <laughs> I am. I actually didn't bring too many of my own magazines because I... I um, I, I really wanted to show like what's going on on the other side of the globe and there's just so many interesting publications going on right now uh, so I have magazines from, from China of course obviously uh, from Taiwan from Singapore um, um, and they're all different um, and they're actually not all magazines uh, because independent publishing in China is mostly uh, they're mostly zines and, and photo books uh, there are some magazines but not as many as, as, mm-hmm. as over here so. Um, and do they mm, tend
0: to be uh, bilingual? Uh? Uh,
1: not exactly. Uh, recently, they're starting to become bilingual. Uh, but You're setting a trend. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but I, I think it's not me, but it's, it's more like how the youth in China, they're, they're very open right now. And they, they watch a lot of uh, American drama and stuff. And they're exposed to Western culture. So they... They, a lot of them actually uh, study overseas and come back to China. And so they believe in making stuff bilingual.
0: And so you, you said there are a few magazines, as in like classic magazines. Mm. So what, what what sort of titles have you brought with you that we would recognize as this is a, a magazine magazine?
1: Um Yeah, I've brought like this magazine from Singapore called Encounters. I don't know if you've ever heard of. I haven't seen (laughs) Encounters. Yeah, and and one of them is pretty interesting because it's made in the form of a, a calendar so it's, it's hard to describe, but it's a Chinese calendar, so you you to see it. Oh, I think I seen have it. seen this. You might have seen I think, it. Yeah. I
0: think that some, uh, yeah, the, the guy must have sent me a copy. Uh, and the, yeah, and it's, it's a wonderful thick thing. It's yeah. uh, bound with brass. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and the, the, the publisher actually lives in China now as well. Right. So, um, and she's completely independent, and she does it all by herself. I brought that. Um, I've also brought a new magazine called Soft. I don't think anyone here has seen it. Soft? Yeah, because the the publisher actually lives on my street. (laughs) So I I was like, whoa, okay, there's a new magazine. And and yeah, and and it's about uh, interviews with artists, but not about their work, but about their life. Okay. Yeah, and it's bilingual, completely bilingual. And every issue, they work with a different designer to design it. Um, And it's a pretty interesting magazine, I think. Uh, What magazines have I brought? Um, Ah, there's one called uh, Jenda. um, it's, it's from Shanghai although the publisher is Italian um, and she does a photography magazine this is I brought her issue 2 which is about the human body and down to the paper like the paper is made of like crushed almonds or something so it's brown and it looks like skin yeah and, and, and yeah she's since moved back to Italy but she's still distributing in China independently as well uh-huh. so that's, that's exciting but, but in, in the book she, she features a lot of Chinese photographers so that's important um, and what what's mm. the
0: what's the publishing um, mm. i guess scene like in China at the moment is that mm. because I, i've heard that i don't know if this is yeah. still the case but i heard in the past mm. there was a need to have a license to publish and that you you know you to get a license was quite a complicated yeah. process yeah. Is, is is that softening or is that is that still there? uh
1: no it's always been the case and it's not softening but it's more like China is too big for people to ca- to control So um, uh, a lot of that gets overlooked or it's just... Yeah, I mean, they haven't come down on them yet, so I don't know what's going on. But in any case, um, the scene is definitely improving because about two weeks ago, we just had the China Art Book Fair. And what's interesting is that while the China Art Book Fair was going on, there was another Shanghai Book Fair going on. And that's where all the people who have... Uh, the license to publish are there <laughs> <laughs> but then all the people who don't have the license are in the China Art Book Fair <laughs> which was interesting both happening on the same weekend yeah yeah. yeah. So there by accident I don't know if it's by accident or planned but it was just funny and so you could see the different types of people who went to both fairs um, and, but, but the scene in, in China I would say is still very young and a lot of them are, like, students, like, who haven't even graduated, but they have, like, four magazines and, like, printed in stock in bookstores. Um, and and I, I would say a lot of that has to do with the internet and the mobile phone. Um,
0: and Because you mean people are seeing magazines that are published elsewhere in the world and are thinking, I could do that?
1: Uh, that's one of it. And the other thing is because of the mobile phone, it's actually a lot easier to distribute in China and set up online stores, which I will talk more, actually, tomorrow as well. And I mean at con um in detail but uh but the but this this the mobile phone is like anyone with a cell phone can open a store right now so and when when that happens like uh you don't even need to go into a bookstore to sell your magazines if you have enough fans like you can you can make it work yeah. basically yeah and, and and that's kind of sparking a revolution in china i, I feel and so like last week when i was at uh, the china art book fair a lot of these like publishers young kids like they, they don't even know where, where they're going to sell their book. They just printed like maybe like 500 copies and I, and I asked them like, so what are you going to do? And they like, oh, we'll think about it after the fair. <laughs> but, but you know, like it, a lot of them would just probably set up an online store and, and, and try to make it work. Um, and I mean,
0: that is, that's exactly the same as publishing worldwide, I'd say. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, people make a magazine because they're passionate and they want to get something out into the world. And then you know, they're, like, they're left with boxes full of these magazines. It's yeah. like, how do I get these in front of readers now? Yeah. So the so, so mobile phones in China has, has yeah. given people a, a means to sell that stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and a lot of... Um, and even the, the mobile phone is affecting China so much that even in physical stores, you pay with the mobile phone. You, you, you make orders with the mobile phone. You just go to a store to pick it up. So it's so blur right now. Um, there's that. And then there's also like... At the Artbook Fair, I remember I, m- I met some publishers who only have like three copies of the magazine and I, and I said, I want to buy this. And they said, okay, I'll print it for you tomorrow. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, like, that's amazing. <laughs> like, how do you do that? <laughs> how do I do that? I- Digital print printing, I guess. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But-, but, but-, the-
0: but the quality looked good and the-
1: It's okay, it's not so bad, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. But it's just like, there's all these ways to, to go around the system and-, and so that there's no wastage or there's no like mass printing so that, you know, leftovers and stuff. But it's-, it's a great spirit uh, and a lot of it is is really like pushed by the online uh, mobile phone yeah. yeah and
0: again this is like it sounds so familiar to me to like mm. you know when you like you know a few years ago before independent publishing kind of started to get this identity for itself yeah there was such a sense of people who were basically going around the system mm. there you know because the received wisdom said that you had to print twenty thousand copies yeah. and you had to be distributing wh smiths and you had to do all these things and actually mm small independent publishers come along and say well I don't I don't need to do it like that yeah. I can I can do my own thing
1: yeah yeah and yeah I mean like independent publishing was is not a new thing in China it's, it's actually been around for like 10 years but it's because of the internet and the mobile phone that's changing it right now and making it actually possible to 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 sell and to sustain itself um, yo, and, and mm. so
0: this presumably is a good time for you so you like this year yeah. you've gone full time as a publisher this is now meaning that you have more avenues open to selling the things that you make.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I think it's just kind of happened at the right time, um, and I'm kind of learning as I go along as well. Um, I mean, like a lot of independent publishers, like I wasn't from the publishing industry, so a lot of things I learn as I'm doing it. Um, and what's crazy about China is that things move so fast that one year ago and now, like things have changed already. So whatever I learned like last month doesn't apply anymore. And <laughs> And and I swear, by the time I go back to China next week, China is gonna be different gonna again. It out, so yeah. it's like what? So it's it's a constant learning process, but it's it's exciting as well. Uh, and, I, and 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 at the art fair, at China art book fair, like I, I spoke to a lot of publishers to f- figure out how did they go around the system, and you know because China is so big, and they came from all over China, not just Shanghai. So it was nice to know how everyone did it. <laughs> um, but, but no one has the answer yet. Let's just put it that way. And everyone's figuring it out know, together. I'm afraid the same is true everywhere. <laughs> oh, Nobody has the answer, but
0: we're getting there. Um, awesome. Uh, Nelson, yeah. thank you very much for speaking to me. It's, uh, it's such a pleasure. Yep. Cheers. Thank you. All right, that's it for this episode of the Stack Podcast. I'm back in London now, sitting in my kitchen quite late at night and realising it's probably a good idea to record this end bit of a podcast at the same time as I record the beginning bits. I think I'm going to write that down for next time. I'd like to say thanks very much to Nelson for coming down to the lake and sharing his thoughts about publishing in China. If you haven't already seen it, Lost Magazine is a really beautiful piece of publishing and well, it's well worth your time. And I've only had a chance for a quick flick so far, but Brownie looks really good too, so keep an eye out for that one. I'd also like to say thanks to Gary at Pika, who is the man responsible for our brilliantly flappy, wobbly new theme music. It's all based on sounds made by magazines, and I totally love it. If you'd like to hear more from them or read about a project, you can go to wearepika.com. That's wearepika, spelled P-Y-K-A dot com. And so finally, thanks to you for listening. If you'd like to listen again, you can find us on SoundCloud or iTunes. Just search for Stack Live. Or, of course, check the Stack blog to keep up with what we're doing. That's it. It's time for me to go to bed. So I'm going to say goodnight and I'll be back soon with another Stack podcast.